Father, we just thank you for this church, the promises over it, the things that you are yet to do. And thank you, Father, that you love this group of people, that you are dedicated and for them. And as Jeff has already said, you are with us to the end. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Um, last year, I was um, at a round table of uh, different ministries. And one of those was a very well-known prophetic ministry, somebody called Stacy Campbell. And um, we were away for a few days, a number of us. And uh, on one of the mornings at the breakfast table, she was sat across from me and she said, where's the prophets in the UK? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, 20 years ago, there was a lot more prophetic ministry in the UK than I seem to observe when I come over here now. And I was able to tell her some of the prophetic ministries that I knew. But it actually got me thinking that um, there is not as much prophetic ministry around in this country as there used to be. And that provoked me, and it made me start to feel, why is that? Sometimes we can rely on prophets from overseas, and I'm not making a nationality thing here. We receive them in the kingdom. But it did provoke me to think, where are, where are the prophets in this country, in this day and age? And, and um, it's not that we're all prophets, but as Corinthians, uh, Paul says in Corinthians 14.1, he says, uh, I pray that uh, you may prophesy, especially out of all the gifts. And it's a gift that all of us can reach into. We may not all be prophets, but we can all prophesy. And prophecy is really hearing what God's saying or seeing what God's doing. And there's two scriptures I just want to draw your attention to before we get in and just touch on this subject and the first is in Hosea and uh, verse uh, sorry chapter 4 verse 6 says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge and you know that knowledge really means to have a prophetic revelation of what God is doing right now and all of us need that at any one time in our life we need to know what God says about our situation. Whatever we're going through, whatever we face, we can become overwhelmed by circumstances. But God's, God is speaking all the time. He's not silent. And so we need to live in a way that we, we live prophetically to hear and see what he's doing. Because it changes our perspective. We might only see this reality, but he's invited us to a higher reality to see what he's doing. Many years ago, I was on the Isle of Skye in Scotland, and we climbed a mountain, and I was young and athletic in those days. I know it's hard to believe, but I got up to the top of the mountain first, and I looked down to the rest of the party that was, that was climbing up. And there was lots of different ways that they could come up, and I could see really clearly the different paths to the top. But they couldn't because they could only see what was in front of them. And, and I remember God speaking to me, that's how I see, he says. I see the full perspective. You just see the bit that you're on. But I see the whole picture. And God is really wanting us to, to tap into more of the prophetic so that we can live more effectively, not just for our own 
our own ends, but to, to bring hope to those around about us. Jeff's just alluded to world events and, and things that are going on. And, and if you're not careful, you can watch the news and you can talk to people. You can talk yourself into fear. There's a whole church that I know of that moved from London to North Yorkshire because they were frightened that ISIS was going to come and get them. And I'm sure they meant well, but, you know, that's not where we want to go. We want to hear what God says. We want to live and be ready for what he's saying in the day. You know, I, I, there was an item in the news this week, and it grabbed my attention, and it was of a Canadian soldier, uh, a sniper, that had fired a bullet over two miles, and it took 10 seconds before it hit its target. But here's the interesting thing is the sniper couldn't see the target that he was hitting. He had to rely on someone else to give him the coordinates and to tell him. And he had to factor in the curvature of the earth, the wind speed that was coming, and, and um, the movement of the target itself. And all those factors, and yet he hit the target. And you know, in a, in a kind of way, this is like the prophetic We may not see, we know what the target is, but we may not see the end result. But the Holy Spirit is guiding us all the time to the target of what he wants to do. And so we mustn't allow fear. We mustn't allow our history. We mustn't allow things that would come and rob us of what he wants to do. But we need to listen to the Holy Spirit all the time. So I'm going to provoke us a little bit this morning. Now, the other scripture I want to just make reference to is uh, in Amos, Um, Amos 3, verse 7, it says this, For the Lord God does nothing, that's nothing on earth, without revealing his secret to his servant, the prophets. Why are the prophets so important? Because God does nothing on earth without revealing it to his prophets first. That's why we need the prophetic ministry. We need to know what he's doing. He's not just acting independently of us. He's warning us. He's giving us insight. He's encouraging us. You know, many times the Holy Spirit will show us enough to whet our appetite for the next leg of the journey. But he doesn't tell us everything. Or not in the way that we sometimes would like. Because it will probably scare us. So he tells us enough to get us moving. And the detail becomes obvious as we start to to move into that but we need to walk it's a walk with the holy spirit and prophecy is not just what you do it's who we are it affects how we perceive and understand things often a revelation or a vision is a greater reality to the prophet than the current events so god can speak through circumstances but it has a deeper meaning than just what we're what we're seeing for now um, it's like concentric, it can come round again, it has meaning for now, but it has meaning for the future, and, and many times over as well. And so we need to understand what the Holy Spirit's saying. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says, for the, revela- <clears throat> for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. 
Many people get discouraged because they've had a prophetic word and it hasn't come about in their life. And they, they start to doubt and think, is this really true? Is this ever going to happen? But God's always on time. He's never late and he's never early. He always shows up at the right time. We get impatient. We say, where are you, God? It's good to be hungry. It's good to thirst for more of him. But we must always be in a place of rest, not frustration. And so I'm just going to give us a few points just to help us on our way. It's not a very long word, but it's, it's just something I really felt that God wants to remind us of at this time. So number one, the prophetic promise that God gives us speaks of the at speaks. I'll start that again. The prophetic promise often speaks of the end. So you receive a prophetic word and you say, oh, wow. I remember being in a meeting one day with a young lad. He must have been about 16 at the time. And uh, a prophetic ministry from Canada came and prophesied over this young lad that he was going to be an apostle to the nations. Well, the next day he quit his job. And I said, why did you do that? He said, well, weren't you in the meeting last night when this prophet prophesied that I was going to be an apostle to the nations? I said, I absolutely believe that. I don't doubt that word at all, but that's a process to get to that point. It doesn't mean today. And quitting your job is kind of a foolish thing to do. But he was impatient because he'd heard a word and he assumed it meant for now. But when you hear a prophetic word, what it's really doing is it's starting a process within you to prepare you. So the prophetic information usually speaks of an end result and not the process or the means of getting there. Lots of people get discouraged because they hear words, but that's really an invitation to enter into a process with the Holy Spirit, to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do? Where do I need to yield and surrender? Where do I need to change? What do you need to do in me so that that word can be fulfilled? So when we hear those words, we must embrace the promise, absolutely, but we must also embrace the process. You know, we love the promises of God, but we don't like the processes often. And we kind of think, "Mm, that sounds like a lot of hard work. That sounds like time has got to pass. But Holy Spirit is committed to process, not just promise. When you don't embrace, <coughs> sorry, when you don't embrace process, you actually, sorry, when you don't embrace the process that the Holy Spirit wants to do with us, what you're really doing is postponing or prolonging the process in your life. Just let that sink in for a little bit. When you say, no, I want it now, you're not ready. I can think of two Bible characters that led Israel. The first was Saul, king, first king of Israel, and the second was David. And the difference between the two is process or lack of. In Saul, he became king overnight. And his character hadn't developed. And so when he was faced with choices, he often made poor choices. Because there hadn't been any process in his life. And he, he liked popularity. He liked to, to be liked by the people. 
His security wasn't in God, it was in what people thought of him. His identity was caught up in the wrong thing. And he made wrong choices. David had process before he came king. In fact, it was something like 13 years, three different anointings before he finally became king over Israel and Judea. God had put process in him. Now, he still had opportunity to make poor choices, but even when he did, he knew he had to put them right with God. So process is really important. And God won't won't put you into situations until you are ready. We might think we're ready, but he, he knows that he has to prepare us. And it can be hard for prophetic people to understand the process because the end result that they see is often more of a reality to them than the present circumstances. Oh, yeah, we're a victorious church. We're going to take the nations. We're going to, we're going to cover the, the, the earth as the waters cover the sea. Yeah, that's a great promise. But right now, we're not doing that. We might make a start. That doesn't mean, oh, it's too big for us. No, God's already said that. That's going to happen. But there's a process between now and then. And, and we can either prolong or hasten that process by how we respond. When we fail to embrace process and only see the end result, we are not living in our destiny. We're living in fantasy. It's good to see what God says. It's good to to know where we're going. It's really important to hear what he says. But we have to understand where we are today as well. Otherwise we come into frustration. Number two, prophetic promise must be contended for. Must be contended for. Doesn't just happen. It's not a fait accompli. It doesn't just drop out the sky. Or we'll, we'll just sit back. I knew somebody one time, they had a prophetic word that God was going to move them into this house. It was going to be a retreat center, all this kind of thing. And years later, I said to them, what, what are you doing towards that word? I'm not doing anything. I'm just waiting for it to happen. I said, well, you'll wait forever. And the last time I checked, they still hadn't moved into it. Was God wrong? No, I don't believe he was. But they just thought there's nothing on my end that I have to do. You know, prophetic words, I don't mean to, to um, be flippant, but this has helped me. Prophetic words are like Ikea furniture. They come flat-packed with instructions, and hopefully everything in there. They're better than they used to be. I, I'm not the great, greatest DIY person, but... When we first moved to Harrogate 20 years ago, we, we went and bought lots of packs of furniture from Ikea. And uh, uh, we literally just bought new furniture for, for all the bedrooms, wardrobes and drawers and everything else. And, and I just spent like two weeks building flat pack furniture. And I became quite an expert with the glue and the things. But, you know, there was, there was one wardrobe that I built. And at the end of the wardrobe, there was a piece of wood left over. And I thought, oh, it doesn't really matter. Not realizing it was a critical piece to the whole piece of the furniture. The wardrobe wobbled because it was a structural strut at the back that was to stop it wobbling. And then I had a chest of drawers that I was building. And 
I was halfway through it and I thought, there seems to be too many drawers here and no top. And I, I looked at the instructions and I thought, I'm following these really carefully. And I went back to Ikea and, uh, and they said, oh, you need to bring it back with you. So I had to go all the way back and then all the way back, back to the shop again. And I took this with me and they looked and they examined it and they went away for a long time. And they came back and they said, it's not your fault. And I went, Phew. They said, um, there's a part A and a part B to this pack. And part, e, part A <coughs> that you have is made in Poland and part B is made in Slovakia. And actually, you're supposed to have part A and B from Poland or part A and B from Slovakia, but not a bit of both because they pack them differently. But I, I, I'm thrilled that God doesn't do that. He doesn't tease us with odd bits or a few screws loose. He gives us everything we need in that prophetic word and he gives it to us. But if we're passive and just leave it in the box, nothing's ever going to happen. So he gives us instructions, which is back to the process of what we need to do to start putting or assembling that prophetic word together. And so one of those things is to contend. If you start life, if your life starts heading in the opposite direction of the promise that you've just been given, it usually means it's true because it's being tested. There was a time when I had a lot of prophetic word over my life. Prior to that time, I probably had like five key prophetic words over my life. And then, then I entered a season where it was just like everybody was prophesying. I could go anywhere where I didn't know anyone. And I would be singled out and prophesied over. And after a while, I thought, I don't want anyone to prophesy over me. Because what seemed to happen is, as soon as I got this amazing word, and I was like going in this direction with this amazing word, it felt like I was going backwards over here and, you know, bombs dropping on me. And uh, I had to put my tin hat on because the enemy will contend with any promise over your life. And if you listen to the wrong stuff, you can lose focus. So you have to remember the word that he gave you. It's a really good idea to write it down. And not just write it down, but to keep reading it. No point just having it in notebooks from years ago and forget about it. But to keep reminding yourself of what God said. Now sometimes you'll have a dramatic encounter and you think, I'll never forget this. And within a month you have. I can remember standing in meetings where people have prophesied over me and I haven't recorded it or haven't had opportunity to write it down. And I thought, I'll never forget this. Only to walk away and forget it. So write it down. Remind yourself frequently what God says because when it's being contended, you can start to doubt and think, did God really say? But he did. And just because your circumstances seem to be in the opposite direction of what was promised. Embrace it because it's process that God is promising you a journey into it. A friend of mine used to say this. He used to say, promise, problem, provision. That's the order of process. God gives you a promise. Then there's a problem where it's contended. And then there's the fulfillment of that promise. But in the middle, where there's the problem, 
How we respond depends how long the process is. We can either prolong it or shorten it by the way that we walk in hope and faith or despair and frustration. There will be times of questioning, but you have to dig into the revelation of what God said. Sometimes waiting is actually an act of contending itself. Wait and see the Lord deliver. It's not a passive thing. It's wait and see the the Lord deliver. I think I've shared here before, but several years ago we had a, a financial need bigger than we could really believe for, but we knew that God was faithful. And the contending was waiting. We hadn't told anybody about the need. We didn't feel it was right to go around sharing it, but we just knew that God would intervene. And in the waiting period of 15 months, God did something in us. See, waiting's not inactive. He shapes us. He changes us. He brings us into the place of hope. And waiting is an act of entrenching yourself in the reality of the promise while facing the challenges of your current situation. He's for you. He knows the end of the story. If he just told you the outcome, there would be no place for faith. But he wants us to grow in the process so that at the end of it we can look back. Now, most people panic when problems come and they lose focus. But the Holy Spirit says, look at the toolbox I've already been giving you. Because usually in the months um, and weeks before a problem, he's already been speaking to you. But the enemy wants to distract your focus onto the problem rather than listen to what the Holy Spirit's already prepared you for. Because he'll never put you into a test that he hasn't prepared you for. Because he's not that kind of God. So whatever test we face, he knows already that we can pass that test. But we need to trust and believe him in faith that what he said will come to pass. If we do not waver and stay focused and remain our eyes fixed on him, not on the problem. So number two was prophetic promise must be contended for. Number three is prophetic promises often seem slow in coming. It's as wrong for God to be early as it is for him to be late. He's always in the perfect time. Many times, the greater the promise, the longer the process. Some of the things that Sue and I are now walking in was prophesied 20 years ago. But if I'd thought, well, that's a load of rubbish, that's never going to happen, I wouldn't be here now. But God's timing is perfect. He knows exactly when is the right time for your breakthrough does it mean that before he was teasing us no some breakthroughs are quicker than others some are a lifetime before you get them 
But his word is true when he speaks it. Number four, the prophetic affects the way that we see others. Just repeat that. The prophetic affects the way that we see others. That's other people. If we're prophetic people, it's easy to fall into two different extremes in the way that we, re- in, <clears throat> in the way that we react with each other. One is to only see people in their prophetic potential. In other words, I see you what you're supposed to be, and so I only ever see you like that, even though you're not there yet. And this can be harmful because we can put people into places of leadership or ministry or have expectations of them that don't, met, <clears throat> that don't match up to their present situation or character. And what we see in them is true, it's just not the right timing for them yet. So we need to understand their process. Because their process may be different to your process. The other extreme is that we only see people in the light of their hindrances or issues. And we begin to judge them by the cloud of oppression or sin that's over them. Rather than the cloud of blessing and favor and inheritance that's over their life. We mistrust others and we feel like we need to do everything ourselves. Because they're never good enough. So we have these two extremes. Over here we see what God's making them to be. But their time isn't yet right. A bit like Saul. The pressure of the moment was Israel said, we want a king. We want one now. And God's purpose was for them to have a king, but not at that time. And they jumped the gun and they reaped the results of a premature king. And then on the other side, we have people that are messed up. Characters not worked out. They're still in process. And we can start to just view them as they'll never make it. We we know that they will, but it's just like, oh, here we go again. They've let us down again. And these two extremes are wrong because God wants us to see them the way that he sees them. God doesn't disqualify us because of the issues in our life that still need to be worked out. When we embrace process for ourselves and those round about us, we create a highway to our destiny. We start to see them as God sees them. God's not frustrated with us. He's not trying to put us into places before our time. He's bang on time. One of the things that propels people to move forward is when... They get a taste of what it's like to walk with the Holy Spirit in their gift. And so we learn to empower people while at the same time helping them to get healed up from their issues. Just because somebody is gifted in the Holy Spirit doesn't mean they're perfect. They're still in process. In fact, we're all in process. And so don't judge someone just because they mess up. They're still have a gift they can still be used by God 
But that's not an excuse for not dealing with character issues as well. We all need to work on that. Those two things. In fact, someone you be familiar with, Bryn Jones, used to say this. He said he was out in Guyana as a missionary and, and he watched these big gunships uh, firing off cannons and the whole ship would recoil like this after each one was fired. And the Holy Spirit said to him, oftentimes in the church we put a gift in a dinghy. The gift is fully mature, but the person isn't. And so the gift is fired off, and the recoil of that gift on that person's life causes them to sink or the boat to rock because character is different to gift. And what we need to do is seek to build bigger character in each other so that when the gift is fired off, the recoil doesn't sink the boat. Many, many times I've seen many gifted people, but their character is lacking. And God wants us to grow in both. But be patient with one another because we're in process. Number five, the prophetic affects the way we view ourselves. Many prophetic people live in the awareness of unrealized destiny. They end up being miserable because they because what they see is different from what they're experiencing. But we need to be careful that we're not misrepresenting God's heart for the prophetic. What we see and what we experience right now, there is a gap. And we can get frustrated in that gap if we're not careful. So we mustn't manipulate and try to make it happen. We're not passive in just leaving it in the box like the IKEA furniture, but there's a there's a, a corresponding or opposite where we could try and force the pieces together and it's not how they're supposed to fit. And you land up with some kind of wardrobe drawer unit that it was never intended to be. I have to follow the instructions. And there's a time and an order for things to be put together in our life. I remember as a young man having a prophetic word over my life that I was like a puppy running all around. And I had to feel the leash of pullback because I would have got myself into harm. And I had to learn to walk to heal. That wasn't to a man, but that was to the Holy Spirit. Because many times we want to shoot off and do things. And we're all over the place. And the Holy Spirit says, I need you to, walk, to learn to walk to heal. To learn to walk at my pace. I know you're eager for all this stuff, but just learn to walk with me. And in my time, it will all happen. God's very prophetic, but he's never depressed. We are called to live in holy desperation but not frustration. And we need to guard ourselves from I'm the only one left syndrome. Like Elijah in the cave. I'm the only one. God says, no, you're not. There's loads more that you don't even know about. But you know, we can get into that because, well, I'm the only one left that's still going for this 
vision, this dream, this word. No, you're not. There's a whole army. So get back focused on him, not on our feelings of where we are. You know, Elijah got depressed because the Spirit of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous and I've done this and I've done that and, and all the rest of it. And where's it got me? And the angel said, take some more rest. And then he visited him again and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, all the same list again. And his response was wrong the second time. Because God had given him rest. But he'd gone into depression. And he was focused about poor old me. I'm the only one. Why does this only happen to me? And sadly, after that second time, the only thing that Elijah is allowed to do is to anoint his successor, Elisha. And all the promises that were supposed to come through Elijah got transferred to Elisha, who did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. I wonder how many of those were supposed to be for Elijah. And we can give up thinking, I'm the only one, I'm the only one. God says, no, take some rest, because the journey's long. And if we just camp around our disappointments, he says, what are you doing here? The journey's not over yet. And we can quit ahead of time when he's saying, come on, there's more to do. And no matter how much we see or prophesy, we still only see in part of the big picture. That's why we need each other in the kingdom. It's not just enough for Eileen to see or for Jeff to see. We all need to see, and together we see a bigger picture than any one of us do on our own. And we need the whole body to fill all the pieces of the puzzle that the Holy Spirit wants to show us. We also need to guard against the Jonah syndrome. I want to die. Because we feel like God hasn't backed up our prophetic words. Just let me die. I don't want these people to be delivered. Don't you know what they're like? And God loves people. And we're saying, just bomb them or drop them out of the earth. Because, you know, we could say that about ISIS right now. How many of those are going to be Paul's? You know, Saul was converted on the road to Damascus. He was a terrorist by any description. And God got him. And he became zealous for the kingdom. How many of Isis is God still loving and drawing to himself? That he wants to use powerfully in his kingdom. And we say, just get them, get rid of them. God's saying, no. No, I'm going to give them every chance to respond to my love. And you know Jonah, the interesting thing is, Jonah went to Nineveh after his detour. You know, it's best to just cooperate with the Holy Spirit first, first of all, otherwise you have a long detour and you still come back to the same point. And he went to Nineveh and the whole city got saved. You know what that city is? It's Mosul. In Iraq, that is Nineveh. And from the time of Jonah to now, 
that city's been predominantly Christian, not Muslim. God, do it again. Raise up some Jonas to reach the persecutors as well as the hurting and victims. We have to trust in God, not man. He's working out his purposes. And then we mustn't get our identity from our gifting. Oh, that's dangerous. Our identity is who our daddy is. Not our gifting. Prophetic people must mature out of moodiness. Met a few like that. Their mood swings according to what's happening. God says, you're better than that. You're to change atmospheres, not come under them. And we need to understand that we're part of the process in dealing with practical things around us. If we don't handle the practical well, we're not going to receive further entrustment of spiritual things. You know, it's wonderful to see the promises of God in the prophetic out there. But the reality here is that gap. But God's still looking how we handle the things that he's entrusted us with. Our authority and spiritual gifting and awareness increases according to our faithfulness with practical things. Like our money, how we handle it. Our house, where we live. Our relationships. He's looking at those things. Saying, how are you doing? Can I entrust more spiritual gifts and revelation to you? It's a marriage between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And we have to learn to pull our future promises and our past victories into our present process of destiny. The practical and prophetic people need to learn to work with each other. Instead of getting frustrated with each other, how do we work together? Pragmatic people, practical people, dealing facts and actual occurrences. And they're active. They're doers rather than contemplative. And studies and events and historical phenomena to predict their outcomes. And they often live past to present well this happened so we must do it this way and prophetic people deal in impressions and potential occurrences and are highly contemplative before taking action they're dreamers and studies they they study events in the light of revealed future to predict a potential outcome and they often live future to present they see the future and they come back to the present where we're supposed to go but we actually need both kinds of people to work together not in opposition to each other but working together we need to actually be living in the present to the future that's true but we're also taking hold of the best of the past and the future and pulling it into our present and we need each other to speak into our blind spots and our personality often affects our prophetic gift. We need to appreciate each of us 
in the body of Christ. The prophetic optimist dwells on the most hopeful aspects of a situation and focuses on the promise and the destiny and points to prophetic promise and potential and builds people by adding revelation. And the prophetic realist dwells on the most serious aspects of a situation and focuses on sin and its consequences and points to hindrances and potential stumbling blocks and builds people by removing limitations. But we need both. We need to recognize our own personality types and develop the side that we are not good at. We need the help of those who have different perspectives to what we do. You know, that's healthy. When I'm driving my car, sometimes a motorbike will overtake me and I haven't even seen it. My wing mirror doesn't show the motorbike because it's in a blind spot. And we can be like that in life. God's doing something and we're not even aware of it. That's why we need each other. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up, but I just want to just want to um, bring it right back to us rather than concepts that is God's got an amazing future for this church how do I know that I was in this church many years ago I can remember some of the prophetic words he spoke of then some have been fulfilled some have been partially fulfilled some have been yet to be fulfilled but God doesn't lie he reveals it to his prophets and he says this is what's going to happen And this church has great promise over it. And people come and people go and contend, the enemy contends for your promise. But I want you to know, if you don't already know, that God's on course. He's on time to deliver every promise that he's made. He has a purpose and there's a perfect storm being created around Keithley where people are becoming ready for the gospel. And you're carriers of hope. And the Holy Spirit is willing to move. And when those three things come together, watch out, Keithley. Watch out, surrounding area. Because the gospel is going to come powerfully through people's lives, into into their lives, to change and bring transformation. So why don't we stand? Put your hand on your heart. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Not circumstances, not things, but on him. And say, Holy Spirit, help me to see what you see. Help me to see what you're doing. And help me to hear your voice more clearly. And help me in process. That I might hasten the day of what you want to do, not hinder it. Allow me to surrender the way that I think things should be and surrender to you. And unlike Elijah, 
that got frustrated and depressed. And unlike Jonah, who didn't really want to do what you asked him to do, we want to be people opposite of that. That say, Holy Spirit, come and use me. Even if I'm weary and tired, strengthen me again. Show me afresh. Remind me of what you've already said. That we might be ready in the day of your coming. Holy Spirit, come. Visit this church. Visit this town. Visit this region with your spirit. That people might know. That God's not dead. He's alive and he's moving and he's transforming people's lives. And Holy Spirit, start with us. We pray. Amen.